Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, I want to tell you where we are, give you a report card on how we're doing overall as a country on saving money. Our main website, Clark.com. You like to save money on what you buy? Check out ClarkDeals.com. We post deals with our deal diggers looking for bargains for you around the clock. So I made a promise recently, and I've been asked by two people when I'm going to pay it off. So I'm going to do it right now. I promised recently that I would tell you what I think are the key components that we should be looking at is a way to fix health care in the United States. And gosh, what a crazy, arrogant thing for me to feel like as one individual, I would tell you what I would do to fix health care. Because anybody who's ever tried has ended up looking outmatched or foolish. But when I think about things like this, I always think about how would you get the free market to align incentives and create something that is more efficient and would provide services at a lower cost. You know, I've said over and over again over the years, we have by far the highest percent of national income going towards health care of any country in the world. It's shocking that we spend roughly one-fifth of our nation's wealth each year on health care. I mean, that's bonkers. The next closest to us, I think, in the world is like 8 or 9% of a nation's uh, output of goods and services in a year on health care. And so the cost thing is what we've got to address first. How do we make healthcare more affordable. And I think there are some specific things we've got to do that change the gobbledygook we have today that does not treat you and me as the customer. People don't think of us in the medical industry or the insurance industry as the customer because healthcare is so distorted in the United States in that we have employers buying health coverage on their employees and their incentives aren't going to be the same as ours and big employers have an advantage in the marketplace buying health insurance or coverage for their employees that small employers don't have and that creates a job lock in a lot of people who might be interested in starting their own business or doing something more entrepreneurial, working for a smaller business. The whole idea of insurance coming through employers was a weird thing that happened because of something called wage price controls forever ago that has ended up with this massive economic distortion in the United States. So I'm not going to say employers shouldn't be able to provide health care to their employees. But employers being able to deduct the cost on their taxes for providing health care to their employees 
we should end that right away. Because the best marketplace is going to be when the customer, you and me, are the ones choosing the health coverage we're going to have. That everything's aligned that we are the customer. We're the buyer of the coverage we're going to have, and we're the ones that get to decide where we go for care. Which brings up something that our health care costs are never going to come under control unless it is required by federal statute that you are able to get the price of any procedure, surgery, operation, or visit ahead of time. So barring an absolute death emergency, you are able to make a decision about where you go for health care like you do for anything else by knowing the cost up front. And then you get to make the cost-benefit choice. You know, I choose to buy my clothes at Costco or Sam's Club or Walmart. I don't go to Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus or Macy's or something. I don't know. I don't know the, the more expensive places, really. But that's a choice I'm making. I choose where to buy those clothes. Somebody may go to um, TJ Maxx instead of going to a mall store. They have made that choice. With medicine, you should be able to choose that too. Second, in addition to requiring easy-to-read price lists, they're available on your phone whenever you need to see them or on a laptop, that those prices are guaranteed. No surprise, crazy balance billing. No weirdo UFO doctor who suddenly bills you this massive bill and says they're not part of your plan. No more any of that. You go to a provider for something, the price is the price, period. Access. We have a huge number of counties in the United States that there's basically, effectively, no access anymore to a primary care provider. It should be national law that a nurse practitioner or physician assistant can set up his or her own practice independent of any doctor in any rural county in America or any zip code in America where there's not adequate access to primary medical care, period. And you're never going to find a problem with a nurse practitioner or physician assistant saying, oh, the price is a big secret. I'm not going to tell you what it costs to see me. And then for insurance, we are now in a situation in the United States that more than all, half of all medical care comes through some kind of government program at the federal, state, or local level. And we're only moving more that direction, eliminating private marketplace incentives. I would like to see the role of government being providing reinsurance 
for health insurance where insurers sell you coverage for normal things up to a level. It could be uh, $50,000, $200,000, whatever, to get us away from insurers cynically trying to manipulate the political process to be able to sell these junk, what I call fake insurance policies that exclude pre-existing conditions and have tight limits on coverage. They're all afraid of getting that person who has a serious illness, a chronic illness, a cancer, a serious medical event that would be really, really costly. And so if insurers sold you a policy, kind of like how Medigaps work, and the coverages were clearly stated, and no permission for any exclusion of any pre-existing condition, period, and no requirement that you buy coverage. But if you allow coverage to lapse for a period exceeding one year, that an insurer would be able to exclude a pre-existing condition for the next six months when you get a policy to create a marketplace incentive for you to stay covered. But if insurers weren't worried about the outlier individual who might cost them $2 million, $5 million, $10 million, $1 million, that they were only responsible up to a certain level, it would be probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Selling insurance would be much less risky for the insurers. And the federal government, state government, local government, they're already covering more than half of healthcare in the United States, being in the reinsurance role would lower the risk for the private market for routine everyday healthcare. And at the same time, if you allowed consumers to truly be shoppers, it changes the equation as well. There are many other elements to this, haven't even touched on prescription drugs, And there are other things that I've oversimplified because we don't have three days for me to monologue. But I want you to know that the arguments we've had in the prism of politics with the Republicans and Democrats have looked at this as a zero-sum game. That's wrong. We have to look at this from how do we make improvements and how healthcare is delivered in the United States to make it more affordable and for you more predictable financially. And until we do that, we're arguing around the margins and we're not solving the problem. Thomas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Thomas. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Thomas. So you have a six-month-old. I do. Have you slept yet? Uh, yeah, she started sleeping better for us here lately. Yeah, isn't it amazing when you have a newborn, how that newborn controls every minute of your life, including how many minutes of sleep you get per 24 hours? Yep, you're exactly right. So what's your baby's name, Thomas? Riley Anna Keith. Riley Anna. So are you going to call her Riley Anna or just Riley? Uh, just Riley. Okay. All right, so how can I be of service with Riley? 
So we're debating on what kind of bank account to set up for her and with which bank to set the account up with. We plan on contributing about $150 a month to her account, plus her any birthday money or Christmas money she might get. And we were just wanting to know what kind of account you would suggest and which bank you would suggest as well. All right, Thomas, we got to talk here about Riley. Okay. A couple of things. One, what are you and your wife doing to save for your own retirements? Uh, I have a 401k plan with my employer at Verizon, and they match 6% of everything I contribute. So I'm contributing 12% into that 401k. All right. You already took care of one test for you. What about your wife? What's she doing to save? My wife, she works at Coweta Public Schools as a speech-language pathologist, and she has 401-3B set up. um, 403-B, yeah. Yes. And do they offer any match on that 403-B? They do not. All right. I would like her to discontinue that and instead do her own Roth IRA. Okay. Because 403-B plans offered to teachers and people who work at nonprofits almost always are garbage. They have massive, massive fees and expenses and penalties, and they're horrendously bad. And so the money she's putting in there, you obviously have discipline as a couple and how you save money. So I'd like her instead to set up her own Roth IRA and fund it and discontinue the 403-B. And okay. on Clark.com, I walk you through how to do that with, if okay. she goes and looks at my investment guide, and just start funding that Roth IRA. Now, let me tell you why I asked you that before I'd answer your question about Riley. Okay. Because a lot of parents of newborns focus so much on trying to put money aside for the child without putting aside necessary money to create financial security for themselves. Right. So that's why it's important that I make sure you're doing that. And your family and your wife's family, what are the odds that Riley is going to be expected to go to college? Very high. All right. So if college is the most likely destination for her after high school, instead of putting the 150 a month in a bank account, I would prefer that you put the 150 a month in what's known as a 529 college savings plan. Okay. Because what it allows you to do is have money grow tax-free over the next 18 years, and then when Riley goes to college, the money can be spent on eligible college expenses tax and penalty-free. Okay. So it is my favorite way for you to do that. And referring again to Clark.com, I have a guide to those 529 plans, and I have my absolute favorites, and then I have the ones that are good but not beyond belief fantastic. And so if if your state is on my list of either the dean's list with high honors or the honor roll, then you're able to just put your money in that because... There may be a state tax benefit for putting your money in the plan. And actually, you live in Oklahoma? That's correct. So I have one of the Oklahoma plans is on my guide, and you can just click right to it, and it'll take you to the link to invest in the Oklahoma plan. Okay, great. And make sure you only go 
in the plan I've got a link to because a lot of states have more than one plan, and some of the plans will be just awful. Kind of like that 403B problem that your wife has with ultra, ultra, ultra high expenses. I only list 529 plans for kids that are low cost or extremely low cost with no commissions of any kind. And again, congratulations on Riley's birth and more congratulations on the fact that now she's decided to sleep at night. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our main web address, and ClarkDeals.com is where you can go to see deals posted throughout the day and night all through the year. So there's a new report from the Commerce Department that Americans now are saving the most they've saved as a percent of their paychecks in a long, long, long time. That we're saving eight cents of each dollar we make. Now this is up quite a bit from even just a few years ago and up by an enormous amount from last decade when Americans managed to pull off a feat that is hard to believe. We had, at a point last decade, before the banking scandals erupted into the Great Recession, we had a negative net savings rate, meaning that people were spending, on average, a dollar one for every dollar they made. Today, if people are living on 92 cents of each dollar they make, that's great stuff. But it's not evenly distributed. From all the numbers I look at, we are becoming like of two minds about money. And by the way, the surprising thing is not necessarily related to income. There are people who really shifted their thinking after the Great Recession, and have become significant savers. There are others who are borrowing money at a very rapid clip. That's how we have record amounts of credit card debt. At the same time, we have people saving more money as a percent of their pay than they've saved in forever. So there are circumstances that can happen inside the four walls of your own life that you have not been able to save your deficit spending. There could be any of a number of reasons for that that are things that anybody would nod and say, I get it. I get why you haven't been able to save any money. And then there are other people, and you know who you are, It's just been one of those things, you plan to get around to it, but you just haven't. So it would be great if you thought about doing things differently. And just take my 1% challenge, where if you're saving nothing right now, go to saving a penny of each dollar you make. If you have... If you're one of the half of people who have 
access to some kind of retirement plan at work, it's really simple to go to the payroll office and just start having them take 1% of your pay and put it in there. Then every six months, step it up another percent. And keep on going with it. It will change your life. It will change your habits with money, especially when the money disappears before you have it. So what happens if you're in the half of us that have no access to a retirement plan at work? Well, you can set up a Roth IRA or set up a savings account. In either case, just have money that automatically goes into either every month or some money every pay period. You start at the same thing with either of those, a penny on each dollar you make. And then every six months, step it up another penny. You build change over time. You build good habits over time. Don't try to do everything all at once. Slow and steady wins the race. By the way, the funny thing is that the fact that we are saving eight cents out of each dollar we make is actually not high enough. It needs to be more than that. But if you're saving nothing, going to one cent on each dollar gets you going in the right direction and keep going till you get to at least a dime of each dollar. I promise. It changes your life, changes your future, and lowers anxiety in your life. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Julie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Julie. You got a question for me about your credit cards and money you've saved for your future, and how do they meet? Right. So last week I heard you talking to someone who doesn't have credit card debt and telling him that one of his investments should be uh, a Roth IRA because if there was an emergency, he could withdraw the contributions he had made without penalty. Is that correct? That is correct. So my question is, does excessive credit card debt constitute an emergency? Because we've gotten... We've had some unexpected other expenses besides the credit cards in having to take on some car loans we didn't have and are now having a hard time paying back the credit cards. And it's just, it's starting to get really overwhelming, all the debt that we have. We're still paying student loan and things like that. So, All right. What I just heard from you in about 40 seconds is a perfect path I can give you. And that is before you even consider taking contributions out of a Roth and using them to extinguish the credit card debt, I heard too many danger signs there. You were even shallow breathing talking about the financial burdens you're feeling. I want to make sure you get rid of that feeling of shallow breathing and feeling overwhelmed, okay? Okay. Issues you're facing with credit card debt having suddenly car loans that you didn't anticipate being in your life, student loans, you're feeling 100% overwhelmed. Yeah. So I want to suggest something to you. There's a group called the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and I want you to find a local chapter, fill out their paperwork, and you, you said we, so you and your husband? Yes. For the two of you, 
to go in and sit down with a financial counselor who works with people that are feeling overwhelmed by debts and come up with a plan to how to get those under control. Because when I heard from you, and you were talking about the strategy I've talked about of using your contributions to a Roth, which you can use tax and penalty free to attack the debt that you have on the credit cards. But I hear a wider thing. I don't want you to do that and then still feel the sense that you feel of being overwhelmed. Do you think your husband would be willing to go with you to sit down and talk with someone? Probably. It's uh, usually free, or if not, it's a token amount for you to sit down and talk with a budget counselor, a debt counselor. And Mm -hmm. the organization I mentioned, nfcc.org, they have affiliates all over the country. They're the legit deal. And I really think it would help with that angst I heard in you. I don't like to hear that angst, Julie. Yeah, I mean, I think that we we started out in a place where we weren't really working together, which is part of how we got the credit card debt. And we've kind of come forward from that. We're working together again. But in the meantime, we both were in cars that were paid for. We both got in accidents um, where our cars were totaled. My goodness. And so all of a sudden we wanted safe cars because we have kids, which are a little more expensive. And... Um, you know, the insurance, of course, went up. And right. Yeah, so, so you're wheezing. Kind of you're wheezing where financially. We weren't being able to make the payments on the credit cards anymore. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. We're not delinquent on anything. We're keeping up, but we're not getting ahead. Right. And that's why it, you just reinforce there my complete feeling about NFCC. I'd love it after you sit down and go through the NFCC process. Please call me back. And let's move on to what they've recommended and how best to implement it next. Want to hear back from you. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on. Sure, John. You're going to be a generous dad and help your son. Yes, our son and his lovely wife moved to Vegas and have done very well for themselves. But they do have a child on the way and... We wanted to get them out of their condo and into a house before she has the baby. And um, they're in a position where she's got some student loan debts and my son's credit score could be improved. So we're going to finance a house for them for a few years until we move down there. Just wondering the best way to approach that as far as taxes and uh so you're in a position that you can afford to do the mortgage for them. You mean you're going to, you have the cash and you're going to make the loan to buy the house or you're going to sign for a loan with a traditional lender? Right. Here's what we've done so far is we have no debt until we just financed our house for a hundred grand and we thought maybe they're going to finance the rest but now it looks like we're just going to purchase the balance of the house whatever they select in las vegas so we would have two loans going and i was inclined to head in the direction of setting up the property as a rental and just having my son and his wife rent the house from us 
that would yeah. that would give you the most protection as a dad if you're not worried at all about anything going on with the two of them you're not worried about them owning a house and owing you money you could do it where it's the equivalent of you're the mortgage company if i follow let me make sure i follow this right you're going to use your own available funds to purchase the house for them and then you're going to hold hold the loan yes and they're going to not pay us the entire amount of our payments but you know probably about half of it well then in that case all right i'm going to give you a couple of models and what Mm -hmm. i'm going to suggest by the way is for you to hire a real estate attorney in las vegas to make sure you do everything exactly right in the most practical way to protect your interests and the kids' interests. But the alternative, and I've done one of these deals before, is that you own the house 50-50, and half of it you put up cash for. The other half, they have a note they're paying you on. And then ultimately, if the goal is for them to own the house they can eventually buy you out. You would own half the house, and they would be borrowing from you for the other half of the house. All right, so we would set up the financing in Las Vegas through a mortgage broker or whatever, but then we set up a note for... No, I thought you said you would come to the table with the money. Well, I thought that's the direction we were going to go, but now it looks like we're going to put up all the money. Okay. I absolutely, having heard that, I want you to go without the kids. I want you to buy an hour of time from a real estate lawyer in Las Vegas, sit down with him or her, talk through the scenarios, and based on his or her experience, they're going to suggest to you the best format for you to do what your goals are here so that your interests are protected and the kids' interests are protected because this kind of thing, you need the experience and the expertise of a local lawyer to make sure you do it in the way that will work best. Getting general advice from me on this particular situation would be wrong. You need the real estate lawyer professional to guide you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Pat, you have a dilemma for your teenage daughter. Let's see if I can help you. Okay. um, If we have time, I've got some advice for you and your listeners how to make some extra money and get healthy at the same time. Okay, sure. Go with that. In youth sports today, uh, there's a shortage of referees in any and every sport. 
I'm a soccer referee, making a couple extra thousand dollars a year. Keeps me busy, you know, physically healthy, mentally healthy, and everything. If you're an older guy or a gal, you know, gets you uh, reattached to the game that you loved when you were a kid, and it's all upside. That sounds like a great idea, except for the crazy parents. Yeah, you just have to learn to ignore them, and then you're good. But I love that idea to stay fit and be around a sport that you loved growing up. Right. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, my situation, my daughter has just received an offer for a co-op down in either Fort Lauderdale or Miami, Florida. I'm in Ohio. It's a five-month housing. The company so, kind of gives them a little bit of information, but what's the best way to look for that? All right. So tell me the month she'll be there, the five months. She'll be there from the beginning of January through the end of May. It's too bad the... It's not starting in May and running into the fall because you're crossing over several months of the peak season. Agreed. So the co-op, how old's your daughter? She is 19. She's in her second year at the University of Cincinnati. Wow. So you don't want her just, like normally if it were an adult going down to live for a while, I'd talk about the advantages of renting a multi-month rental on Airbnb. Um, yes, a friend of mine, uh, their son was out in San Diego this summer, and that's what they did. But as a teenage daughter, I, I don't know that you want to do that because she'd be by herself. Are they uh, offering any arrangement? Uh, they're offering a thousand dollars a month in housing allowance, and I'm hoping she'll be able to, uh, you know, get a uh, share a share a place with uh, one of the other co-ops that's going to be there during the same amount of time. All right, so in this case, I have a really crazy suggestion. I want you to go down to Fort Lauderdale with her and look at places with her because neighborhood matters in that area. Doing it from Ohio is too hard to do it over the Internet. I think you look for places that are available on Airbnb or VRBO, but you got to go see them. Is that something you could do or is that impossible? I don't have a ready flow of cash, but um, it's something that that could be done. Yeah, because I mean, if you get if you have to drive down, you could get down there in a couple of days. Right. You know, a lot of people uh, from Ohio do that long drive in a very long day. I don't recommend it, but I think this is. I mean, this is your daughter. You're sending her to an unfamiliar city. I think you've got to go in order to make it work for her and be safe for her. And, and not just blindly pick a place, because I, I can't stress enough what I said up front. In South Florida, neighborhood really matters. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.